Welcome to the Expert Network Team Podcast. Where our goal is to inform and educate our listeners on matters related to finance, legal, insurance, accounting, and other interests that are of personal and business nature. We hope you will find our content useful as well as entertaining. The Expert Network Team consists of Carl Frank of AI Financial, Mike Miller of Miller and Associates CPAs, Jeff Cromendike of Security First Insurance Agency, and I'm Nathan Merrill. I'm an attorney at Goodspeed and Merrill. Together, our independent team combines our expertise to provide you insights and solutions, some straightforward, some profound, for real-life opportunities we see on a daily basis. We hope you enjoy the information contained in today's podcast and find it useful. If you'd like to learn more or desire to meet with any of the Expert Network Team members in person, you can contact us at info at expertnetworkteam.com. That's I-N-F-O at expertnetworkteam.com. We encourage you to take advantage of a free consultation with any of our team members. Just mention this podcast when you schedule your appointment. Now on to today's podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Frank. I've got here with me today Nathan Merrill. Good and we're morning, going to con- everybody. Good morning. Hey, we're going to continue last week's conversation. We're going to pretend it's morning. I it's love It's really it. late afternoon, but nobody will know. <laughs> <laughs> we will never know. We just let them know, I guess. I love it. Well, it, it, we're going to continue last time's conversation. Yeah. It's going to be great. And and last time we talked about entity structure and some myths and some truths and some powerful advantages there. But today it, it's going to be even better. We're going to talk about some specific examples of what you can do if you if you're willing to make your S corporation or your small business just a little bit more complicated on the back end. You can get huge, huge benefits. And and so the Nate, myth I'm gonna, applied. Uh, the myth, yeah, yeah, right. Seeing through the myth and and taking action on yeah. it. I love it. Having a little bit of courage. I probably gave a bunch of people a headache the last time <laughs> trying to think because it was very esoteric. I mean, I talked through some code forms, you know, IRS forms, code provisions, that sort of stuff. Now we're going to talk about where the rubber meets the road and is how, how do people actually make this work in their businesses, You right? did. You threw out a bunch of letters and numbers and it got a little confusing even for me and yeah. I knew where you were going and what you were talking about. And and I can't wait to talk about the first one because the first one is real. As business owners, you know, we've got people who we know are up and coming who can we hope are going to be able to take over the business or at least take a little bit more responsibility in the business. We want them to. We're all motivated that way. As business owners, we've got a desire to to bring up our up-and-coming people and give them training and, and let them take over more of the business. But we also want to test them out because we've got a responsibility to ourselves and, and other shareholders that we might have, as well as our clients and the rest of our team, that we make responsible the decisions. The way I had one client explain this to me is like, I don't want anybody on the beach before I get on the beach. I love it, and that's a <laughs> lot of truth in that, isn't there? So so let's talk about that first benefit of, the, of making it a little bit more complex and, and doing something with a profits interest. And, and so let's hire there. Let's 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 start right there with a real company that you know that, that they've set up this profits interest plan, and how did they set that up for their future partners? So if you recall, one of the things I compared the profits into last, last time, profits interest to last time, was an option. Right. Um, one of the advantages to an option, options are typically issued in C corporations, and there's no income flow through on a C corporation. All the income is taxed at the C corporate level. Option holders don't get dividends, so there's no cash flow component to it. Well, like I said, profits interests behave a lot like an option, except where they don't. And here's one area where they don't. You can give someone that option-like interest in your company 
and still give them a flow-through interest in income. Love it. So it incents them in current performance. Because sometimes that apple that you put out on a stick with an option, sure. like someday those options are going to be worth something. And, and, uh, it's and, exciting. You know, with the big companies that are market, you know, publicly traded, and that's not everybody's opportunity. Yeah, most of them are not. Right. right. That is a reality. You can, there's a ready market. And we're going to talk about the market aspects of how these, these structures work. But um, the way you get cash flow out of that is once those options vest, you convert them, you yep. sell the stock, you, you have cash flow. Your employee gets a lot of money. So in, in a market like this where we're talking about more closely held companies, there's, there's no market there's to no liquidity convert the liquidity. So the way you, you deal with that is to say, we're going to let these profits interests participate in current income. We're going to let some of that income that's flowing through the company that usually flows onto my tax return – flow onto yours instead. Right. And we it doesn't mean we need to distribute all that income. Mm-mm. They can build up their own capital accounts. They can build up their equity in the company this way passively as over time just by virtue right. of, of this is some to some respects that earn in I was talking about. Yeah, exactly. They are div- they are diverting taxable income from you to themselves. They're paying the tax bill on that and building up their own equity. Building up in, equity in, in the, the company. company. But then you'll have some element of that that is cash flow that will actually be a current reward for them. And and as I said last time, the flexibility here is if you can think it, you can do it. So you can, as profitability, you can have thresholds of that participation. So you can say, well, you're not going to get any cash flow allocations until total cash flow allocations to me and the other founders is X. And then after X, you'll participate pro rata with us. So I'll just I'll put a number instead of a letter once we get to 100,000 in current income and we've all received that allocation everything above 100,000 we now split pro rata with that profits interest pool and then you can even ratchet it up more and this will be a recurring theme you'll see that if we can incent you to create more profit for us why would we not let you participate more so if you can turn that 100 into 500 well at 500 we're going to let you even participate more so now you have every incentive in the world to get that profit from 100 to 500 and up and that's good for me as an owner because you're doing all the work to get it there, and it's good for you as a as a profits interest holder because you're now participating at a higher level at the 500 mark. It's a win-win. That kind of flexibility, as we noted many times in our last discussion, is not available outside of compensation in an S-corporation structure and certainly right. not in a C-corporation structure outside of compensation. I love it. Well, And you just mentioned the C word, the compensation word, which is a powerful world word in in many ways and and one of the things that i think business owners might struggle with is that i'm really as a business owner just deferring my income to give you an opportunity to have more but if i get creative on the compensation side i might actually make your pay the same but incentivize you differently so maybe on the comp side i can just work it in with this incentive stock option mm-hmm. plan right this incentive profits interest plan yeah and depending on how that works so one one caveat to that and we didn't mention this in the last one is once you're an, an interest holder in a partnership, you are no longer an employee. Yeah, that's a big deal. So what we will often do is set up what we call blocker entities. This adds to the complexity, but we can get around that so people can still retain their W-2 status. Some people get uncomfortable, you know, especially at the sure. lower ranks. It depends on who. Could be scary. Yeah. But you're talking about people who want to be owners. Yeah. But I've had some businesses who use this, and it'll, you know, profits interest will be issued to the receptionist. Ah. And you don't want to tell the receptionist, well, you're no longer an employee, you're yeah, a partner. Very, yeah, that'd be scary. Um, so 
in in those types of structures, there's ways around it so that the the rank and file employees can still participate in these kinds of incentive plans. Yeah. And not lose their W two status. And still be W two. Now, are you going to get a K one? Uh, yes, and what that K one contains will depend on how the Incentives are structured. Yeah. Great, 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 great. So I love this idea of, of incentivizing you now. It's something you definitely can't do in a C corp or an S corp, and and the, and stock options don't give you that. So that's that's the first benefit. Let's talk about the next benefit though, which is a little bit more like what we we're talking about with the options, and that's the ownership in it and liquidity event possibilities. Tell me more about that. So, on on this side of the equation, like I said, the the primary benefit of equity ownership through a profits interest is going to be the tax differential. You're moving what could potentially be, in some cases, especially for highly compensated folks who are going to have meaningful material interest in a business from potentially 37% presently down to 15 or 20%. So that that's a meaningful drop. So it, it definitely enhances their takeaway. And so... I just want to throw this out there. This isn't exactly responsive to your question, but when you all things considered comparatively, if they have an opportunity with a business that's going to give them options versus profits interests, and they look at them as the same kind of growth opportunity, you now have a 15% that's huge. hurdle yeah. to overcome on the option or equity side right. that they wouldn't have in the profits interest side. It's a side. big advantage. The other nice thing that you and I have talked about over over time on this is the flexibility, similarly similarly to how we were talking about the the hurdles or what I call the waterfall on participation is frequently involved in liquidity side planning. So when I'm designing what I'm giving you, I'm not just giving you a pro rata interest in my company. I'm giving you a pro rata interest in my company at different levels of performance. Um, so that's one of the big ways we can incent performance. The other ways are the typical, and you'll see this in any kind of equity compensation, is vesting. Mm. So we can make it so they don't get they we issue it presently, but it doesn't become irrevocably theirs until they've been with the company for five years or whatever the time frame right. is we want, right? Because right. this is not the same type of rules that maybe you we've can heard discriminate of all you want. You can yeah. say if you're redhead. You vest in three years. If you're a blonde, you vest in five or whatever. That might not work in our Me Too world. Right. I'm just saying that you can... Any way you yeah, want. Yeah. Any way you want to slice and dice these, you can vary them among every recipient, although that's where I'd characterize or qualify. You, even though you can, it's not always the best idea to do it. Right. Because then you have to remember, now, what did we issue to John? And ah. what did we issue to... Diane, what better to be standardized, yeah. Standardized, but as you much could as have performance-based vesting. You could have performance-based vesting, and you can vest in groups. You can say the marketing group is vesting this way because they can impact the performance of the company doing this. Whereas the operations guy, he can't affect the marketing side of things, but we want him to improve our cost structure, our expense ratios, or whatever. And whereas our supply chain guy might be incentivized a totally different way. So you can. So by by division or group, you might vary the the metrics of vesting, and that enhances overall performance for everybody. Because what the marketing guys, you know, everybody incented to do the right thing within their realm of control will drive the value of the business up, and that's good for everybody. A lot of flexibility, a lot of control inside this yeah. type of a of a structure. So then the other thing you can do with this equity side 
um, is similar to the, the cash flow is as the value of the company grows, we can allow their participation in that growth to vary. So, we, you know, we talked last time about how there's some level at which no one participates because that's the inherent value of the company when they are issued their units. So that makes it non-taxable issuance. Then we grow the company from there, and we can say if we grow at 1x, you participate at the pool gets a 10% take. But if we grow at 2x, then the pool gets a 2.5%. You know, you, you, Big. you can actually increase right. their participation over really time. Exciting. Again, going back to what I just said, good for me because they're incented to grow it bigger, which means I still get more. The pie gets bigger. Right. And the, and the bigger pie mentality is what you want to develop in your your employees that can make a difference. And another thing that's really important, I think, to point out is that, yeah, you laid out some rules there, but you don't have to lay out these rules. You can change it if you want. As a business owner, this is something that doesn't have to be set in stone. It's not a qualified plan where you've got all these rules and restrictions that the government's been putting on there. You well, can change that. You you can change it prospectively. I would always caution people because we are doing something that is connected with employment in some way. That. And so once given out, it's always hard to take it back. To take it back. You can always cancel the plan and right. just freeze everything at that point in right. time. Um, but just eliminating the plan or causing a forfeiture outside of some activity on their side is not recommended. Yeah. I, what about this idea? So, so I've set up this plan, but I set up the really basic one. I set it up at the most simple level and things start to go really, really well. And I want to be more generous to them. I could do that. You can do that. You can always give more. Right? Yeah. Right. It's, exactly. It's, it's, but if I lay it out and I say, uh, I don't want to do that anymore, I might be in trouble. Yes. Got it. That makes perfect sense yeah. to me. It only seems fair. Well, yeah, fair. And, and again, like I said, this is a contract that's issued in connection with employment. So it's not part of the wage act, wage claim act per se. Right. It's equity. Yep. But, um, but I just caution people whenever equity is granted in connection with employment, you just got to be careful. My my experience with um, uh, private companies, and and most particularly, I'm thinking of an example in my head with incentive stock options, is that that the high performer was surprised, pleasantly surprised, every year when it came around for incentive stock options, how many he or she would receive. That it wasn't ever written in stone the numbers that he had to hit to get new issuance. The private company was able to keep that private and make a decision at that time, depending on how much their profits were and what the business owner was feeling at that point in time. Right. And, and that, to me, is a similar type of situation that a smart business owner of a private company right now would give herself the freedom to be able to do that. Yeah, and what, when you think about it, to that point, what we're essentially doing here with equity is using equity the same way a publicly traded company does, which right. is, is a new form of currency. A new form, right, exactly. It's a cash replacement, right? Mm -hmm. um, exactly. You're giving them future potential earnings in lieu of current cash. Right, right. And it's and again, if you want to make your employees' mindsets aligned with yours, that's one way that is well accepted as the best way to do it is make them an owner. Make them an owner. Give them the ownership mentality and keep yourself private. Right. Give yourself the flexibility that you have with this type of a plan is it that some of the, the big, larger companies out there don't have, with being a C-Corp and everything else. So did I answer your question? You did. I thought that was great. And, and, and there's a third big benefit, I think, that, that I don't want us to forget before we, um, we end today. And, 
And and so Nate, I mean, one of the things that I talk to business owners about, and, and certainly something we you know we've read about as business owners ourselves, is what happens if something were to happen to us. How does this plan help in in case of a of a disaster? Yeah, it's it's the whole um, Covey concept of I think it's his kind of brainchild is to begin with the end in mind, yeah. right? When you start a business, if you don't think early on, if not at the outset, how am I going to get out of this? You're going to get nothing out of it. Mm. Um, at some point, you're going to be compelled to think, how do I sell or transact or find a market for what I have built? This type of e equity structure helps create a built-in marketplace for you to exit. If you are developing owners as you build your business, if something happens to you, um, you have built in already who will own the business. Because, you know, a lot of these business structures are built on a combination of funding through insurance and cash flow. Um, sometimes the more successful your business becomes, the more impractical it is to fully fund it through insurance. Right. That's a problem. So you may sure. build a business worth $50 million, or let's even pick something Some a little more number. moderate, $20 yeah. million. Big number. But to buy $20 million of coverage becomes cost prohibitive because... Inefficient. Right. Even, And, and I may have insurance people who argue different, different with me, but you also have a, a business that performs and generates cash flow. Right. So... The best approach, in my mind, is to combine the insurance with a succession plan. You'll be able to maximize the value of your business that way rather than settle on $10 million and winding up your business. You can still sell it for $20 million, take the $10 million up front and have it cash flow over the next five or ten years your estate or whatever it's would a get win. paid out. It's a win for the buyer. It's a win for the seller. Where it's definitely family. a win is in the area of disability because, mm -hmm. as you know, disability – um, buyout coverage is almost in every instance to fund, especially to oh fund gosh. 100% would be cost prohibitive. It's crazy. You can't You're do almost it. always funding just do a down payment piece. Right. You can't do it. And you have to rely on the ability of the business to continue to operate. So again, we're, we're designing the future succession of the business into the equity structure so that you have a market you can go to if you're disabled, if you die, or if you just want to retire, you've You've got the pieces in place. On the flip side of that is perhaps the both the downside and, um, well, let's talk about it from the employee's perspective. They know that if this business transacts someday, they'll get paid out. So That's right. They're excited. So there is a market for their interest, too. You can actually build into their interests the same way you would yours, insurance coverage for liquidity. So if they died, you could right. buy out their interests. Protect the owner as well. Um, you know, that kind of dovetails with some, probably something we should talk about in a future podcast is non-qualified plans that are funded with insurance. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I wouldn't say it's an either or. I kind of, uh, I, I like to check boxes as they make sense and you can combine all these things right. together. Um but you have to think about how how and when they get liquidity. You know what true retirement is, where you're gonna, you may not be on the beach yet, but they're 65, and you want to give them the benefit of their equity. So all these things have the funding has to be thought into it as well. But that being said, like you said, you never have to build funding into it. It can be completely contingent on liquidity or death, and um, and that be that that is your trigger for who the market is. But 
but you've at least given yourself a, a better opportunity at finding an exit absent a sale to a third party. You've given the best chance, the best opportunity. You know, we've got a seven-step exit planning process for business owners, and this is really focused on number three, which is you know, what we're talking about here with incentive stock options or in, incentive plans, whether they're a stock option or, or uh, profits interest or anything else, is to give the maximum opportunity for your business to run without you, to maximize and protect the business value. This is one way to do it, and you're motivating your future managers or your current managers in the in the future of the company to learn how to run it and be and you're be gonna look better already. to buyers too if you have if you have a it business increases that the value runs of business. without you it increases the value of your business you dramatically increase the value Immensely. of your business because yeah. we want to buy cash flow we don't want to buy a business we don't want to buy ourselves a job right well Nate this was great I mean this this made it real and, and I'm, if it's okay with you I'd like to recap a few did we forget anything absolutely no right, I don't think so, so. so I mean I can come up with a million you know I, that so I know you can and, and sometimes it's best just to stick with three <laughs> but we'll do other podcasts we'll do other podcasts so so we we talked about the first part about the profits interest so we talked about hitting a number and that's a big benefit and and it puts a, the business owners and and the future owners on the same page and and it makes them not an employee anymore it makes them an owner and it allows an earn in and as well can be uh, combined with compensation planning. It, it can make it so that it doesn't necessarily have to be a gift from the business owner to the future owner uh, right now. You can, but you a can recognition of achievement, basically. Exactly, yeah. with huge upside potential yep. for these people. For and both sides. It, it, for Pure everybody. alignment. It's absolutely great. And then the second one was liquidity and event-driven, and that's the, that is if there is a, a, a liquidity event, uh, they get to participate in it, and that's where it makes it more like an option, at least mm -hmm. in that regard. It's better because you get the profits issues on top of it, and you can put a vesting schedule on it that can be performance-based, and it doesn't have to be fair. It can be for any reason you want. And we talked, importantly, about the waterfall, how we can ratchet that up. And we talked about flexibility, that you don't have to set a schedule that – hampers you. You can make it anything you want, but once you offer it, you probably better not take it back. That would be a, a bad thing to do. Mm -hmm. The biggest benefit to that, though, compared to the options plan or anything else, might be the tax options, because this is going to be a long-term gain. This is going to be a gain versus an income taxable event, and that's a huge savings. It cuts the tax bill possibly in half or more. And then the final reason, and this is really important, and that's that's the exit plan. That, that you begin with the end in mind is what you said. And death and disability are huge, but this provides a built-in market for a private company that you just don't have otherwise. This is a great way to pr provide for your plan and, and, and take an otherwise illiquid asset and turn it into something that's, that's fungible. That you can cash out, yeah. Exactly. Great job. Phenomenal. Good summary. Thanks, man. Good job. That was a great, great presentation. It was a gr uh, so informative. And I am super excited to uh, talk to our, you on our next podcast. <laughs> All right. I can't wait. Thanks so much. Create a beautiful day. Thank you for joining us today. Hope you enjoyed the information we shared. If you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to share it with someone else. And join us next time. If you want to meet with a member of the team, please contact us at info at expertnetworkteam.com. That's info at expertnetworkteam.com. If you have special topics you'd like to hear about, please reach out to us and let us know at the same email address. Again, that's info at expertnetworkteam.com. Thank you for joining us and have a great day. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We want to remind you that listening to this podcast does not establish a client professional relationship with any of the firms represented nor does it constitute legal, investment, or accounting advice, and the views are those of the professionals only. Investment advisory services may be provided through a Financial Services, and securities may be provided through Genios Wealth Management.